Let's turn out the light. The time has come. Where are we? Look. Look and wonder. I shall awaken memories of terror and triumph, of love and crime and death. Your spirit that has wandered through so many forms and so many ages. Thou shalt rise again. of yesterday and become the reality of today. Think of it, waiting for a new life to come. I shall come back very soon now. What terrible power! The nations of the world will run squealing in terror. To a new world of gods and monsters. Radio Drome. Welcome to an interconnected episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. Back this week, he has not left the show despite internet rumors, is Cecil. I'm back. And let me just, I'll, I'll throw this out there quickly. We used to record Radio Drome at midnight on Sundays. Now we've changed, because of scheduling and whatnot, we've moved recording to the middle of the afternoon on Sundays. It's a lot harder to get time in the middle of the afternoon on Sundays as opposed to midnight on Sunday where everybody else is asleep. So every now and then I can't make it for whatever reason. Um, I've got stuff that I have to do and it's unfortunate, but you know, family and whatnot always comes first. So, uh, to everybody who's panicking, thinking that I'm going to leave, I'm not going anywhere. If Josh hasn't driven me off by now, then. <laughs> I'm not I guess going. That's a compliment. I guess. <laughs> I'm just saying we are. We are all. We disagree on things, but at the end of the day, we're all friends, and that's the thing. We are. Peter's not here right now, but uh, Peter, I, 
he just didn't show up this week, but uh, he probably overslept or, you know, cana- something Canadian. Something Canadian came up and so. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all friends. We disagree on stuff, but we all talk. And I'm not going anywhere. So relax. Unless all like unless for unless there's like months at a time where you don't hear from me on the show, then maybe something's wrong. But if I'm not around for a week or two, it's like life getting in the way of things. So I, I just love I just love the fact that you miss two weeks legitimately and i start getting messages is cecil leaving radiodrome what's going on with cecil um he got sick and had had a bachelor party he had to go it's like what's the big deal he had things to do you know right before we're getting ready to record when you've got a four-year-old violently like uh hacking up a lung then uh it's (laughs) then i kind of got to take time away to 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 keep an eye on that but we're we're not going to bog this episode down with the personal it's just something I wanted to address because I'm sick of getting the messages. Hey, if you guys want to do something else, you go to adamandeve.com. Not the smoothest transition, but it still works. You go you to want Adam to hack and... up a bung, I don't know. A butt plug. Oh, there you go. You go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. All for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So tonight, Cecil, let's talk about interconnected universes. Now, I don't like this term cinematic universe. I understand why it's used in relation to Marvel and DC because they, you know, already have interconnected universes in comic books and cartoons and TV and stuff like that. So the, the movie side is the cinematic universe. I just personally am so sick of hearing, you know, the alien predator cinematic universe and this kind of thing. No, it's not. Just stop it. Leaving aside Marvel and DC completely. We, we'll have to talk about them at, at a couple of points, but not counting those, let's look at all of the other interconnected universes that we have in movies. I think people are going to be shocked at how many movies they don't realize are actually part of the continuity of other films. Now, for this, I want to put out two qualifiers, Cecil. No in-jokes. So, like, Bruce Willis appearing as John McClane in Loaded Weapon 1, that's not a crossover with Die Hard. That was an in-joke. So in-jokes don't count. And the other thing that doesn't count are fan theories. But otherwise, let's look at movies that in some cases are just people didn't realize, oh wait, that's technically a sequel to another film. Let's go back all the way to the beginning. Universal Monsters. I think they started this whole thing back in the 1940s or late 1930s. The Universal Monsters, it might not have been a tight continuity, but that was the first cinematic universe, wasn't it? The first that really comes to mind. Well, because, I mean, think about it. You know, you had Dracula meeting Frankenstein, the Wolfman, and then, of course, you throw the Abbott and Costellos in there, and then you have House of Dracula, which has got everybody, and the Invisible Man. So why does Marvel get all this credit? And, you know, I think they're the first ones who did it on the scale that they did it on. Fine. Why does Marvel get all this credit by all these people that are like, man, they've done something no one's ever seen before. Yeah, I have a dozen other things to counter that with. Why does Marvel get all the credit when Universal did it first? Like first, like a hundred years ago, almost. Here's the thing. And this is one of the things that bothers me about um, about Marvel. And it's not necessarily Marvel's Marvel Disney's fault there. And this is going to sound pompous, but uh, you, you can't argue it about. Ten years ago, 
there are a lot of people who just started getting into comic book movies and all that because of it, it became like the popular thing. And there are a lot of people who have never read comic books, have never really been into this sort of thing. But now all of a sudden, because it's popular, they are getting into it. And a lot of them are journalists and whatnot. So they have no prior reference aside from when all of this started. So for them, this is the first time any of this has ever been done. And if you try to point out to them that uh, this is not the first time that this has been done, they'll change. Well, this is the first time that there's ever been a and they'll they'll as they say move the goalpost like like what they did with um uh star trek uh diversity star trek diversity (laughs) uh with star trek uh whatever uh they were like well this is the first female captain and it's like well no there was Uh, i think captain janeway Janeway would argue with that well it's the first black captain black captain well captain cisco yeah yeah. and also the fact that she's not the captain she might be the main character she's not the captain and they kept yeah moving the goal it was the first because they were so desperate to go it's the first something yeah and it's like and the same thing with the with the most recent uh doctor who it's the first female well really the one in the 90s you know it it was like well it's the first one in a full series that and it's like so they just keep moving things instead of just being like hey this is the first time that it's been done on this scale like right out of the gate or you know now they're doing it and they're doing it right or you know i mean but then again you could still argue that they did it right a hundred years ago it's just uh it was done on a different way so i think that that's really the the thing you have a lot of people who have no reference beyond the current thing and so that's why it's the first to ever do it and or they'll do the well they're the first to do it right and it's just like oh stop it i would argue that they're they're doing a lot of things wrong Let's stick with Universal for a moment here. What do you think about the Dark Universe? I know we're technically only one movie in. Now, I'm going to probably shoot myself in the foot here. I think on paper, the Dark Universe is not a bad idea. I think on paper, them making all of these different monster movies all set with like a central character and organization a la Marvel, I don't think is a bad idea. I think they're doing it poorly. But do you agree or disagree that the Dark Universe on paper is not a bad idea? Well, they had the Dark Universe, what, a hundred years ago or whatever with the, with, you know, all of them. They were, they were doing crossovers left and right. And really back then it was just a easy way to keep people coming in to see the movies. Hey, this is popular. Let's cross this over with this. Let's cross this over with this and keep people going to the theater. I think the Dark Universe, again, on paper, the new Dark Universe, because it didn't really have a name before. I think it was a great idea. They kept jumping into it. They kept wanting it to happen instead of like Marvel. I will give them credit. They planned. Universal, they tried with uh, Dracula Untold was supposed to be the start of the Dark Universe. And I, that actually, failed. no, no. before that, the Wolfman was actually supposed to be the unofficial oh, was, start. Was, oh, okay. Yeah. I thought I thought Wolfman was I thought Wolfman was after Dracula Untold. No, pretty sure Wolfman was first, the, the Benicio Del Toro one, which personally I had problems with. I didn't think was that bad. I enjoyed the bulk of that movie. I know. Shoot me. But I did enjoy well, the bulk but, of that one. But the thing was, it wasn't a... You know, if it was, if it made a billion dollars, that would have been the start. Well, because well, supposedly same... what, what, what I've heard after the fact is to try and cure the, the werewolfism in the next movie, he was going to seek out Dr. Frankenstein and then they were going to mm-hmm. meet Vlad Dracul and things like that. That was supposed to be the start. And then when that movie bombed, they're like, no, no, no. Okay. Dracula Untold's the start. And then that movie bombed. And they're like, no, 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 no. Now the mummy's the start. They, they just keep right. like moving the goalpost. I, I think one thing and the other thing too, a lot of people 
people think, and they're like, well, the, what was it, Frankenstein? And they're like, no, 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 no. Frankenstein was, uh, the, the Frank, the Victor Frankenstein movie was actually, I believe it was Lionsgate because Lionsgate actually somehow got the Frankenstein well, license. Frankenstein is a public domain character, so without using, ah. without treading on, on Universal's intellectual property, the bolts in the neck, things like that, you and I could make a Frankenstein movie right now and call it Frankenstein. Because the characters uh-huh. are public domain, as long as we based okay. it on the Mary Shelley stories and not the gotcha. Universal cool. film. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing. So a lot of people thought that that was the other misfire, and it's like, no, that was that was another studio trying to do their own thing and, and right. also failing. Right. I, I think the the problem that the Dark Universe had one, Alex Kurtzman is a complete hack, so he was the wrong person to have helming this. But two, they were trying to so blatantly copy Marvel. Russell Crowe was Nick Fury. Prodigium was Shield. It was instead of taking their time and doing this they were trying to just jump right into it and like you said and that's one of the reasons they were trying to do way too much and serve too many masters simultaneously and besides the fact that the mummies suck if if they would have started uh russell crowe being dr jekyll and mr hyde and setting up everything that would have been awesome because when tom cruise found the the whatever it was called found, you know, shield prodigium. Um, prodigium. That's yeah. If if that would have been like, because when Russell Crowe was there, I was like, okay, he was the best part I'm of that in. movie without a doubt. That that whole 10, 15 minute segment, I was on board. I was like, you know what? This is going in a good direction. I like this. And then they went back to Tom Cruise running away from the mummy, and I'm like, all right, the movie sucks again. And I was really bummed because that little snippet that little segment within the film was so much better than everything else around the film and it's like if they would have made a film just that of him gathering artifacts and kind of building the prodigium and or or it would have started with him and his experiments and then building prodigium that would have been a great start rather than trying to go full bore into the mummy and uh i i don't the thing is i don't blame the failure of the mummy on tom cruise i think he was doing what he's normally very good at it was basically they were trying to make mission impossible the mummy and those two things just did not gel and it ended up being a really terrible film also alex uh, also alex kurtzman can't write direct well or that's produce. that's kind of that's kind of all that kind of all ties into that so yeah that's so that's the thing it's not this is a case like and i i i think that uh tom cruise is great when in the right role and i think that he was he was n- tremendously miscast I agree they threw in they threw in the, the they threw in i mean he's he's a big star and they basically threw a big pile of money at him, thinking that, you know, because they had two failures before, well, the reason was is because they didn't have a big enough star. Well, now they've got Tom Cruise, the biggest, one of the biggest stars on the planet, and it still didn't work. And it's like, maybe you should stop throwing money at an actor and throw money at your writer and maybe some producers and, like, actually build instead of trying, you know, to to force something to happen. Okay. Well, l- l- let's look at then the other biggest cinematic universe that actually they they predate Marvel by a lot, but their huge huge crossover even predates the first Iron Man movie, Full Moon. Full Moon was doing this back in the 90s. Cuz first you have Bad Channels, Doll Man and Demonic Toys all taking place in a continuity together, and then when when those touch the Evil Bong movies, the Evil Bong movies touch the 
Trancers movies, which touch the Puppet Master movies and the Ginger Dead Man movies, and then that touches the Subspecies movies and the Vampire Journals. Full Moon did this back in the 90s, man. Absolutely. Another brilliant innovation from Full Moon. They were ahead of their time. Once again. And even outside of that, okay, remember that Invisible Man movie that Full Moon made back when the John Carpenter Invisible Man movie was coming out? A lot of people don't, you know, because some some of these things are like, I just didn't realize that was a sequel. That's actually a sequel to, was it Murder Cycle, I think? That Invisible Man movie, that character appeared in the previous Full Moon movie. I believe so, yeah. And, and it's, so, I mean, they, they had a lot of, well, the thing was, they even admitted they drew a lot of their foundation from a combination of serials and comic books. And they wanted it to kind of have the serial feel to it. You know, that's why they had so many sequels. It was like, hey, here's a brand that people like. We're going to continue with said brand. And what better way to get people to check out another brand under the same banner? Have that character interact with these other characters. And it worked. Because it made me want to see, I mean, I already wanted to see every Full Moon movie, but now I want to see every Full Moon movie more. Exactly. So Full Moon did this years before Marvel. Does Full Moon get any credit? Of course they don't. They don't. And it's, it's, uh, I mean, they'll get credit from fans and people like, uh, well, we are fans, but I'm saying, uh, but in general, once again, you think the average, the average blogger that works at Vox has ever even heard of Trancers? Exactly. Well, let's look at some other lesser-known ones that you're like, holy crap, those are connected? French Connection universe. So you have the French Connection, the French Connection 2, and the Popeye Doyle TV movie. Okay, fine. Those are all within the same franchise. So you're like, that's not a cinematic universe. But then there's the 7-Ups. Now, the 7-Ups is not technically a French Connection movie, but Roy Scheider has said he is playing the same character he played in the French Connection because they never give his character a name in the 7-Ups. He's like, that was for legal reasons because they're from different studios, it's the same character. He's playing the same character with the same history. So the 7-Ups is part of the French Connection universe. 7-Ups is a sequel to the French Connection. You just didn't know it. Well, I always... Well, you knew it. I always thought it was. <laughs> well, I knew it, but that's... Well, you have yeah. other ones that, like, um, like the Exorcist universe. Okay, you got all the Exorcist movies, and, again, all the same franchise, fine. And then you've got the Ninth Configuration. That's set in the Exorcist continuity. At, at the party in the first Exorcist, when she's talking to the astronaut at the party, you're gonna die up there and pease himself. That's Scott Wilson's character from the, from the, the Ninth Configuration. Both books were written by William Peter Blatty. That's an explicit, these are in the same continuity. Very cool. Or like the Frank, Frank Hentenlotter verse. Okay, you've got the three basket case movies, which cross over with Frankenhooker, which also crosses over with Bad Biology. So you have a Frank Hentenlotter verse, kind of, don't you? This is going to take a little bit of explaining, so stick with me. You know about the Elmore Leonard verse, right? Yes. Does the audience... And, and and I guess the bigger question is, do you guys know how big the Elmore Leonard verse actually is? I would be willing to bet that there's probably a lot of people that are fans of Elmore Leonard movies that probably don't even know that who Elmore Leonard is. Well, okay, l l let's start with Jackie Brown as the origin point, even though it's te it technically isn't. So you've got Jackie Brown. Rum well, Punch. Rum Punch was the book, but Jackie Brown the movie is what I'm talking about. Have Ordell. He also appeared in the movie The Life of Crime. Same with... Robert De Niro's character. They're both in the movie Life of Crime. And then you've got, you've got Michael Keaton's character, which he also is the, playing the same character in Out of Sight. And then he also, although it wasn't Michael Keaton, it was Peter Horton, played that same character in the pilot episode of Karen Sisko. 
Carla Gugino took over that role from Jennifer Lopez. Karen Sisko, who appeared on the TV series Justified with the character of Raylan Givens, who was also appearing in the movie Pronto. And then you've got, you've got like four or five other Elmore Leonard movies. You've got all these different Elmore Leonard movies that all touch one another and they're all sequels to one another and they have the same characters and you're like, this is an unofficial Elmore Leonard universe. And I say unofficial because different studios made a lot of these. I think you've got Paramount, Universal, Fox, and Warner Brothers all involved. So legally, they're they're not all connected, but they're all the same characters from the same novels. Like Ray Nicolette appearing in Out of Sight and Jackie Brown. That makes Out of Sight a sequel to Jackie Brown, doesn't it? But then that also makes Life of Crime (laughs) from a different studio made 20 years later a prequel to Jackie Brown because it's got the same characters in it, doesn't it? Well, I mean, yeah, it does. If you really look at a lot of these, I, I don't want to say overanalyze, you can you can really make a lot of them sequels and prequels and all this stuff, When even though they may necessarily not be, or they might just be homages or whatever, whatever the, the producer or director intended. Well, how about this one? How about a cinematic universe from the 90s that never quite took off? How many people realize that Ricochet is a sequel to Die Hard? <laughs> all right i i think i know where where it is but uh, i'm intrigued okay. now they're all joel silver has confirmed this is not a fan theory or something this is intended he was trying to again not not the word make a cinematic universe where all of the joel silver stuff would all be in the same continuity so remember mary ellen trainer's news character of gail whalens from die hard the bitch at the desk Mm-hmm. She plays the same character working for the same news organization in Ricochet. That was intentional. Mm-hmm. Ricochet is a sequel to Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard Cinematic yes. Universe. So how many people <laughs> knew that? Oh, it was new to me. No, it was new to me, and I like Ricochet. I know Ricochet. you do, but would it have been a little more advantageous if they'd, like, mentioned the Nakatomi incident or something? I don't know. Or maybe they were just trying to have, this is the linking element, where, you know, Mary Ellen Trainer will appear in all of the Joel Silver movies as Gail Whalen's. Well, maybe they they just didn't want to be that on the nose about it. Maybe it's like a neat little, hey, let's do this and and see if people figure it out instead of, hey, you're, you know, this, this you know, maybe they mentioned the Nakatomi incident. That would be a little like, okay, yeah, you, you, we we get it, as opposed to just like, hey, look, this is kind of neat. It's a uh, it's a it's a, a sequel or uh, it takes place in the same universe. Okay, what about? How many people realize Armageddon is a sequel to The Rock? Uh, I kind of chalked that up to a Bayverse. Well, he only did thing. it twice because by the time he got to Bad Boys and all that, it was the actual president of whoever was the president at the time each movie came out. In The Rock and Armageddon, it's the same president with the same chief of staff. Those were intentionally done to, I read this in a magazine years and years ago. Apparently, you know those sweeping scenes in Armageddon where there's all these people watching like, you know, a, a piece of the comic or a piece of the meteor come down and there's all the destruction and there's random people watching it. Apparently, at Mm -hmm. one point, they talked to both Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery about just doing a cameo. Not even like a, oh, look, that's Godspeed, but just have Nicolas Cage in one of these crowds as a linking device, but they, they couldn't get them. They very much intended Armageddon is a sequel to The Rock, whether you want to admit it or not, people. There's a lot of the same people. I mean, it uh, it works. I mean, it and it's not that far outside the realm of possibility. Why wouldn't there be a prison break and then uh, or prison break in 
and then revolving, or, you know, and then later there be asteroids smashing into the, I mean, it, it all is, is, uh, it works. Okay. I think, and I still say that, um, the, uh, the rock is probably my, my favorite, like uh, my favorite bay movie. It's just, uh, it's just really good. It's very entertaining. It's, I don't know. It, it doesn't, it doesn't. The Island is, is the best Michael Bay movie. I, hands down. I like the islands, but I think the rock is better because, uh, uh, it doesn't fall into the traps of a lot of Bay movies where it's like they have 15 endings. That's debatable, but okay. Let's go back to Joel Silver for a minute. Now, this one is a lot less explicit and I don't know. He's never confirmed. Like I said, the Mary Ellen trainer thing was confirmed by him that it's the same character in the same universe. This next one, he keeps using, he's using Used it in nine different films. The fake Latin American Latin American country Valverde. Does that count as like a cinematic linking device when when nine different Joel Silver movies have some sort of reference or a scene take place in a fake in the same fake country? Eh, kinda, I guess. Because otherwise, then that links like Commando and Predator, and which of course then links Alien and 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 all this. So I I don't know if I want to go with the Valverde one. Eh. Well, could. Now, now, this one I know you'll be pretty into. You got the View Askewiverse. I was going to say that. The Kevin Smith universe. That's the obvious one. And that's completely intentional. You know, that's. Oh, without a doubt. But before we get into that, does Scream count? Jay and Silent Bob are not an in-joke when they appear in Scream. Kevin Smith has confirmed that. But the Scream movies are movies in the View Askewiverse. So does Scream count in part of this universe or not? I guess because they were in it's weird because in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, um They're making Scream. They're making three, they're making Scream Three. But then in Scream Three, there's Jay and Silent Bob. So it's like it's like what is the real movie, I guess you could say. You know what I mean? I mean I know these are meant to be comedies, so this is one of the looser right. cinematic universes, but it's still the point of does Scream count as part of the View Askewiverse or not? It's sort of the the same way that Kevin Williamson specifically tried to put Scream into the continuity of H2O by a couple of references, but at the same time, they referenced Scream as being a movie. And you're like, you can't have it both ways. You have to pick one. And I think Kevin didn't. I think he didn't pick one. So I don't know. Does, is Scream in the same continuity as Chasing Amy or not? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, there there could very well be. I, I would assume that there would be people that are murderers in uh, the universe. But like I said, I don't know which or is it just that Scream is a movie that takes place during, you know, during the universe. So it's uh, it's weird. I don't know. And I think we're probably putting more thought into it than than they probably did. I actually do really, really enjoy how much, uh, okay, continuity might not be the right word, but how much thought he put into the Askewniverse back when he was actually trying to do it. Now, he, he has since abandoned that. That's why Jay and Silent Bob don't appear in most of his other works. When he was really trying it, I think he did a good job of, okay, here's Clerks, and then Mallrats, we're gonna, we're gonna keep this in the same universe, and then Chasing Amy's in the same universe, and then Dogma is. I thought he did a good job. I don't think it's that he abandoned it. I think it's just that he has his universe movies, and then he has his other movies. Look, you know? I, I think the first one of his movies that was not, and he specifically said it was not part of the Viewers universe, Jersey Girl, I think. I think, I think Jersey Girl was, but I do still think there was some, 
there was something tying in there. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I think there was, still was something that tied it in. I, I think the the one thing that bugs me about the View Askew universe is how muddled it got because of actors. How he would have the same actors playing multiple characters. Like Matt Damon is the animation company executive in Chasing Amy, but he's also Matt Damon the actor in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. So you're like, so... There, Matt Damon is this guy, Andy's this guy, or Brian O'Halloran, you know, he's mm-hmm. Dante Hicks. He's also Dante Hicks's brother in Mallrats, and you're like, w- wait a second, or, you know, Well, Randall, no, he okay? was, he was Gil Hicks, Dante's twin brother. Or, like, Randall, okay? Randall in Clerks and Clerks 2 and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and he's also the gun salesman in Dogma, and you're like, okay, so are these supposed to be the same characters, or is this just, I don't know, it gets a little confusing when you reuse actors like that. And, and Matt Damon was the cable repairman in the, in the View Askew shorts that, um, I don't think the MTV commercials MTV. count. No, they were, what do you kid? They were absolutely very, they were little short universe vignettes. I personally thought most of them were pretty funny, honestly. Yeah, I, they were funny. I don't know why MTV has not put those on their website or their YouTube channel, because I personally thought those Kevin Smith MTV commercials were quite, I found a bunch of them. I, I can't find all of them, but I found a bunch of them. I think they're pretty funny, actually. Yeah, and they were they were done he, when he was having some fun with it, and uh, you know he had a, you know all his buddies and whatnot because at the time nobody knew who Matt Damon and Ben and Matt Damon was and... nobody when he plays a nameless cable repair man in, the, in one of them. All right, where do you want it? Want what? My undying affection. Come on, the cable. Where do you want the cable? I don't know if you caught it on your way up the escalator, friend. This is not a residence, okay? This is a department store. And this is me giving a crap. Somebody ordered an installation here. All I really need from you, brown eye, is where this thing's going. Hey, yo! I want my MTV, Nuganu! It is. Some type of the sort of hot for a smart jerk? Yeah, I'd give her a job. Yeah, he was like, uh, I mean, he even said, uh, they, they both said on, on numerous occasions, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were sleeping on Kevin's couch because they were homeless at one point. To, so they were doing that, you know, it was, it was fun. I think that it, they absolutely are, uh, are part of the ISK universe. It's just, uh, unfortunate that they're, they're not really, I don't know why, probably, I think there was music playing dur- during them, and that's probably the reason why they're not available is because they don't want to pay the music license fees because music license fees are always ridiculous. That's why we'll I've... never get a Beavis and Butthead, like, official DVD release because they yeah. don't feel like paying for all the music clips that they're joking over, even though those are often the best part. I mean, I love the cartoons themselves, but some of the best jokes came from those. The music videos. Uh, okay, in a complete horror moment, on my YouTube channel, Rare Video Trader, I have some of the Kevin Smith MTV commercials on my YouTube channel. Hint, hint. Push yes, you go. in that direction. Yes, go watch them before they get taken down again. Now, how about this one? Now, this one is continuity that I don't think is continuity. You've got the Tarantino Rodriguez universe. Now, he, here's the thing. you got the Tarantino stuff, which, you know, Red Apple cigarettes, and uh, I can't remember what the name of the airline was, but it's the same airline uh, in multiple 
Tarantino movies. The one thing I'm going to say, and this is where why I threw out no fan theories, the whole Tarantino has never confirmed the whole Kill Bill volumes one and two are actually the pilot that Uma Thurman's character made in Pulp Fiction. A lot of people are like, well, it's the same character dynamics and everything. So that that whole movie is actually the pilot episode that she made that wasn't, okay, Tarantino's not confirmed that. That's fan theory shit. The one weird thing that links this and the Rodriguez movies is where I'm going, continuity is kind of f***ed here. And that is Michael Parks as Earl McGraw. So you've got Earl McGraw, who's appeared in, I think, five movies bet uh, between the, the three guys. And he plays the same character in all of them, but he can't be playing the same character in all of them. For instance, like, Earl McGraw is in Death Proof and Planet Terror. Now, Death Proof, even though it came second, actually takes place before Planet Terror. Because you see their bodies being drug in during Planet Terror during the one in the hospital scene. Earl McGraw is in Planet Terror. And the world goes post-apocalyptic. There's a zombie outbreak, and remember, they have to all go to Mexico, and this is a worldwide phenomenon, right? So then how does Earl McGraw die five years earlier in From Dust Till Dawn when both both directors have said he is playing the same character? From, from Dust Till Dawn, the world is not post-apocalyptic, but that takes place after Planet Terror. Or am I just looking way too much into what's supposed to be a weird grindhouse in in-joke? Uh, I think the second one. Because I'm sitting here trying to get the continuity right, and I'm like, none of this continuity matches. Because he dies in From Dust Till Dawn, which is the early 90s. And, and you can't say Planet Terror takes place before that, because they have, they have cell phone in Planet Terror. So that clearly takes place in 2008. Wait a minute, so he's still alive in 2008, even though he died in 19, in the 1990s, but the 1990s movie takes place after Planet Terror? Why not? How about, no, this one I'm gonna chalk up to something a little, a little more ambiguous. The Stephen King universe. The Stephen King universe is a really weird one in the fact that I said no in-jokes, and I don't know if some of these things are supposed to be in-jokes or connections. Like Cat's Eye. Christine is in it. Cujo is in it. There's a Greg Stilson poster from The Dead Zone in it. So are those supposed to be in-jokes, or is Cat's Eye supposed to be linking all of these Stephen King movies together? I don't know. I think it's an in-joke that also links them together. I, I don't know where this, do you think there is a Stephen King universe? Not counting Castle Rock, which is, you know, still play out, playing out, but you know, that's got tons of things connecting to it. With it being such a blockbuster, I would not be surprised if every Stephen King movie from here out they try to tie together because this is, you know, cinematic universes is the hot ticket right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if the the new The Shining, Doctor Sleep, which is sequel to The Shining, but um, Pet and every Pet, Pet Cemetery and all the other ones, if they didn't all have some little inside thing connecting them. I don't think it's going to be as obvious, but I would not be surprised if there was uh, a little, you know, offhand mention, oh, something here, something there, something that, you know, keeps them all uh, tied together. Well, now, I don't know if this counts. and I can't remember. It's been years since I've read The Dark Tower. What, what was that cola? Nuzula cola? Nazula cola? Something like that? That's appeared in like four or five other, just like a, a soda machine, in a bunch of Stephen King adaptations. Does that count as a connection, or is that also an in-joke? With the Stephen King stuff, it's it's a lot muddier. Do you, do you see what I mean? 
I mean, there's been times where, you know, they'll, they'll throw in little things here and there. And, and I mean, it, uh, it's stuff that on, in the theater, you're not going to see it. But when you have the DVD and you have people that are scanning frame by frame through stuff, they're going to notice the little, uh, the little jokes that, uh, directors and editors and whatnot will throw in, uh, just, uh, to be funny. What about another big, I don't know if this this one was aping Marvel, although they are, because they do have their own shield. The Monsterverse, where you have Monarch, that's supposed to be the big linking device, you know. Monarch is a big deal in Kong Skull Island, Godzilla, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and King Kong versus Godzilla. Do you think the Monsterverse is a good idea? Because, I mean, obviously Toho did the same thing back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, but... Do you think that that this can work now with... Because Toho didn't have something like Monarch. I actually think, strangely enough, Monarch did the whole this is S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury thing way better than Universal tried to do. The Monsterverse has always felt more linked. You know, all the, all the Godzillas and uh, uh, all Rodan's that stuff over the... Rodan's spin-off movie. Rodan's. Yeah, spin-offs. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, so it always felt more... You know, they were doing it... To, to be cool as opposed to, you know, this is something that's going to, I mean, obviously at the end of the day, it's all about making money, but, uh, it felt, I don't know, a little bit more genuine. But do you think that, that, that the new MonsterVerse is going to work in this same fashion? Eh, we'll see. I don't know. I think that, um, the comic book movie universes kind of have the benefit of already having the universes built. So they're really just kind of continuing to connect them in the movies. It makes sense. Whereas a lot of other movies that are trying to have connected universes, it doesn't really make quite as much sense. Why do you think so many companies, so many studios are going through the cinematic universe thing? If you really look at it, I'm just talking the modern stuff. I'm, I'm not talking stuff like the Hettenlauter stuff where that's indie, Tarantino, Rodriguez stuff, that's more or less indie. You know, the Exorcist, French Connection stuff, that's older. When you look at all of these ones that are trying to do, be the next Marvel, none have really worked. So why do they keep persisting at this? As much as I don't like Marvel, they did it right on a, on a planning level. DC jumped into this and they tried to do too much too fast. Universal jumped into it, tried to do too much too fast. The MonsterVerse seems to be a little bit more paced out. I, am I the only one that's getting sick of the whole cinematic universe thing since they're all just aping Marvel? No, and I, I disagree with you on the DC thing. I think that, that, but I mean, that's a whole other argument for another day. But I think here's, here's the bottom line. It's simple. It's money. I mean, it's the reason why when there's disaster movie comes out, is a big hit and then we get an influx of disaster movies a harry potter comes out and it's huge and now or twilight and then we get a bunch of young uh adult movie uh, book at, or book to movie adaptations uh they're just looking for the next big thing and the thing with the cinematic universe is that they feel because each movie ties in some way into the other one that means that everybody has to go see that movie in order to be up to speed for the next movie. They're going to want to see, okay, well, Captain America 2, and then there's all these other movies that happened in between, and stuff like that is going to lead into Captain America 3. And then uh, and then all these are going to come to a head with something like Infinity War. So in order to, you know, so they're looking at it from a ticket perspective. Well, people are going to buy the, uh, you know, buy the tickets and buy the DVD 
movies and everything so that they can all be up to speed for the big movie. And they just looking at it from, well, this is going to be the next big moneymaker. Uh, if everybody goes to see this movie, we can crank out all these movies and we have guaranteed uh, asses in the seats. So I just think that that's really what it's coming down to. This is the the, the current big trend and it's eventually like everything else it'll die off uh because uh, it just it's going to become too expensive to be able to uh, continue and also with comic books you can get different artists to continue writing and drawing and, and whatnot and the characters will stay pretty much the same age but in reality you've got actors that are getting bigger and they're getting older and they're getting more expensive and so they're not gonna you know they're gonna want to be able to do other movies they're not gonna want to continue to to stay these same characters for you know decades and they can't because they're going to get older this is a case of well can you replace Chris Evans, can you replace, you know, Iron Man? Can you replace all these, you know, people have come to know the actor to play the role. And I think that it's going to come to a point where uh, we're at it right now, where the actors are leaving their roles. And are people going to want to continue to watch these movies with different people playing the parts. Then let me ask you this. What's the best way to move forward with a cinematic universe? By aping the Marvel formula, formula, which like I said, DC, Warner Brothers with the Monsterverse and, and that, and Universal are all trying to do? Or is it, is it more subtle? And I've never thought I'd use the word subtle when it comes to Joel Silver, the way Joel Silver was trying to do it with Gay, with Gail Whalen's. A background character, it's a side character that is the thing that connects all the universes. Because in all honesty, that to me, like I said, I never thought I'd use the word subtle when it comes to Joel Silver. That was a subtle way to do it. It wasn't so beat you over the head with it that I actually think that might be the way to move forward. When you have one or two side characters who you do not focus on, that appear in movie after movie after movie, rather than, all of these movies are connected! From an artistic perspective, it's probably better to do it that way, but from a monetary perspective, you're not going to want to do a cinematic universe where there, where it's not blatantly obvious that it's a cinematic universe. Well, okay. They're not going to give all the money, you know, oh, like, let's keep making these movies, but keep the universe thing on the down low. No, they want to make it a big deal so that everybody goes to see every single movie that's in this universe. I'm going, I'm thinking back to like the 80s when DC tried their first universe, Superman. When they spun off Supergirl, Jimmy Olsen also came over to that. He was sort of the linking character. He was the only character that was in all five movies. In a weird way, Jimmy Olsen was the linking character that made the uh, Superman or DC universe in the 80s. Yeah, it sucked. It, canon was the Canon was the same way. Canon tried to. Now remember, this is right at the end of when Canon's dying. Canon still had the rights to Spider-Man. They still had the movie rights to Spider-Man when they made their 1990 Captain America movie. Now this was just a, this was just a rumor I read in an old Starlog or something like that. Cinema Fantastique. Supposedly, if Captain America had worked, they were going to, since they still had Spider-Man's rights, Spider-Man would team up with him in the next movie. So Canon was even trying this back in 1990. Or at least they were going to. Well, I am, I am so rusty on this. Wasn't it Spider-Man 
the money they had for Spider-Man got split between Masters of the Universe and Cyborg. Well, yeah, because Masters of the Universe, now each side has a different story. Mattel was supposed to put up half the money, and Canon was supposed to put up half the money. Mattel hated the footage that they saw, so they said, we are not putting up our half. So Canon was left holding the bag to the point where they literally didn't even shoot the ending. The director had to shoot the ending on his own in his garage. That's why the final fight scene between Skeletor and He-Man has got no backgrounds or anything. Because it was literally shot in the director's garage so he could finish the f***ing film. Hmm. So Canon was dead-ass broke with Masters of the Universe, and they limped along for a little while but yeah they still had the rights to spider-man and then when james cameron tried to do it that was all for canon canon was gonna make a spider-man movie that just never got off the ground and when they did make captain america they still had the rights to spider-man from everything i've heard spider-man was gonna team up with captain america but then captain america went direct to video and nobody saw it it's a shame because captain america's fun i do enjoy it I, I I do not like the Red Skull being Italian for no apparent reason. That, I think, yeah. was a moronic change. But overall, you are correct. It's a very fun movie. Maybe, maybe not for too- modern Captain America. After you've seen the Chris Evans movies, that I don't think will last for work for a modern audience. But we saw this in 1990. It wasn't terrible. Like, comic book movies were, it was a different thing back then. And, I mean, you, look, Captain America is a thief. <laughs> he steals bicycles from little girls and throws money at them. He steals bicycles, he steals cars, he leaves the reporter on the side of the road. I mean, it's... Poor Ned he's, Beatty, man! I mean, yeah, let, look what happened to the last time Ned Beatty was left in the woods. Yeah, he had a bad time. His bum had a bad time. <laughs> like, it, it's just, it's so corny. It's It's very enjoyable, and I think people... When they watch it now, they try to apply, you know, the, how, like, serious Captain America is now. And it's like, well, you got to consider, like, the, the, like it was hard to get comic books, uh, movies to be taken seriously back then. Like, it, they really had to work towards it, which is hilarious when you look at it now about how they're making, like, butt-tons of money. It's, uh, it's hilarious. It also makes you kind of wonder, even when canon was at their height, when they were trying to make Spider-Man in 86 with the Ted Newsom script, I don't know if the special effects technology, I'm just thinking back to the old Spider-Man from the, the TV show from the 70s and going, you know, it would obviously look a little bit better, but I don't know if 80s technology could have made a good Spider-Man movie in 86. And I'm not a fan of CGI, and that's not what I'm talking about. I just, I don't know if canon could have done it in 86. I think canon would have made an absolutely hilarious, fun Spider-Man movie. Good is subjective, but I think that uh, it probably, uh, it, I can tell you it would be a cult classic now if it existed. Speaking of Spider-Man, you've got, no, not Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe, not the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Sony apparently is still moving forward on their, quote, Spider-Verse. They're going to have the Sinister Six and Silver Sable and Morbius and Venom. That Right now, this is so weird, they're having a Spider-Man universe that does not have Spider-Man in it. They've outright, the next movie that they're making is Morbius, which I will be not seeing because Jared Leto, he is completely wrong for Morbius the Living Vampire. What an idiotic casting choice that is. They're going with Morbius, then after that they're making a Silver Sable movie, and apparently these will all be connected in Venom, you know, the Venom continuity and all this. So Sony is still trying the cinematic universe, but because they don't have the full rights to Spider-Man anymore without Spider-Man. This seems dumb to me. Well, no, they've been talking about doing the Sinister Six movies for 
for a long time. They've been wanting to make that happen. And uh, I, I like think that they, they really have been trying to set up things because Spider-Man has a fantastic rogues gallery. Spider-Man has a great supporting cast. And I think that there is a lot of potential to do that, uh, to do a series of movies about the other characters. I think it's uh, I think it's great. I think um, it's neat to have a Spider-Verse where Spider-Man exists. Oh, no, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. Okay, this is kind of like the Dark Universe. On paper, this could work, because, okay, Venom really kind of needed Spider-Man. After seeing the movie, making a Venom movie that has no connection to Spider-Man was kind of a bad idea. On the other hand... Well, obvi- obviously it wasn't. It made it a complete... It, it had Story-wise. It, but but what I'm saying is that it made more money the previous Spider-Man movies. I, I know, I like get it, that. But I'm just saying, like, Morbius doesn't need Spider-Man, although it also doesn't right. need Jared Leto. Uh, to me, that is one of the most asinine. The only thing that could have been more asinine would have been casting Adam Sandler in that role. Jared Leto is 100% not right for that, and I will not be seeing that movie if Jared Leto moves forward as Morbius, who I love in the comics. Silver Sable, you don't need Spider-Man. Morbius, you don't need Spider-Man. Sinister Six, you kind of need Spider-Man. You kind of need Spider-Man. You need, I mean, there's a reason why they're, they're connected. Although I think it'll be interesting because I'm sure with the next Venom, they're probably going to introduce Carnage and I can well, see them yeah, doing. The, uh, um, you haven't seen Venom yet. I haven't seen it yet. Spoiler alert. The post credit scene is, is Carnage Woody, is, is Woody Harrelson in prison as Cletus Cassidy. Oh, uh, Woody Harrelson is, oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Woody really? Harrelson is, you didn't That's know that? That's a great cast. I had no, I I haven't I I have been avoiding yeah. uh all that stuff. That yeah. is a gr- wow. Oh my god, he will be an awesome carnage. And you know, he he's he's Cletus Cassidy, he's in prison and he says to Eddie Brock, "When I escape, there's going to be so much carnage." Boom, credits. But yeah, so oh, the the, awesome. the post-credit scene is Woody fucking Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy. That's that is a great get. Okay, I'm I'm a little I Sony's kind of being idiots right now. Do you think this cinematic universe thing is going to get better or worse? And I, I mean that in two different ways. Better as in they're going to handle it better than Universal did. Better as in they're going to either start backing off of these or go with the subtler route. Do you think this is going to reach a stupid-ass tipping point? Or do you think, like, Universal is still moving forward with Dark Universe? They've still got Bride of... This is the other thing. They're not doing Frankenstein next. They're doing Bride of Frankenstein, which to me also is a, what are you doing? You can't make the secret. To me, that was like to go to TV when they revived the bionic woman. And it's like, you know, she kind of needs the $6 million man continuity. Oh, screw it. You don't care at all, do you? I just look at this as the Dark Universe seems to be making all the wrong moves. But yet again, on paper, I keep going, this could work. But stop hiring Alex f***ing Kurtzman. Why is he the one in charge? He's already failed you twice. Why is he still the showrunner for this franchise? Well, you know Hollywood, you fail upwards. They'll they'll have some, you know, they'll they'll take somebody and just ride them into the ground no matter how many bad decisions they make. So, where do you think this is going to go? Do you think this will reach a tipping point where Marvel might be the the last man standing? Cuz I mean, DC's already announced basically after the next Wonder Woman movie, they're they're uh, whether it's a soft or hard reboot, we'll have to see. They're basically rebooting. So, Marvel might be the last man standing here, huh? I think, uh, I think we can all pretty much agree that uh, they're, they're going to, they're, 
they're going to keep trying and trying and trying. And I'm not saying they Marvel. I'm saying they um, movie studios until something else becomes the next big thing. Right now, you know, comic book movies slash shared universes are the big money maker, And that's what everybody is throwing their money at uh, until there comes something else uh, that ends up knocking it out of the park and ends up being the the big uh, the the big money maker. Then we're just going to see this continue uh, and we're going to see uh, probably a lot more failures than successes. Also, the Conjuring shared universe can suck a dick. Oh, God, yeah. Well, that's just, well, that, that's just so they can make really terrible spinoffs. Uh, well, yeah, it just jump scare. Well, they're, they're, they're really, they're, like, even the, the Conjuring movies, like, like, I liked the first Conjuring because I thought it was, it was very much not jump scares. Then they went and they did the second one, and I'm like, ew. Like this is like they're and they were introducing characters so that they could do spinoffs. They did the nun and and I I have not seen the nun, but I have a couple of friends who did and they said it is jump scare central. It's like there is not one legitimate earned scare in the entire film. And, uh, so, and I'm, I could see that it looks like it, it just looks like what it's going to be. And, uh, all, and they said that, um, like I could see the next conjuring being another jump scare movie. And it's a shame because I think that there's a lot of potential there because the first one felt like a very seventies slow burn horror film. It was spooky. It was atmospheric. It was well done. And then it just became everything that it, it shouldn't have been. Also, the Warrens should be rotting in hell for all I, for all I care. The Warrens are shysters, and the Warrens are pieces of shit. But That's not nice. So, where can people find Cecil being sick? You can find me trying desperately to keep my voice from completely dying on me uh, over at uh, goodbadflicks.com, as well as goodbadflicks on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and 1201beyond.com, and my god, hot tea... And with honey and piles and piles of cough drops, please. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.